You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. And we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about this time that we're living in. Uh, We all know uh, now uh, Saturday, October 7th, two weeks ago, 1,500 Islamic terrorists, Hamas, savagely attacked Israel uh, while simultaneously launching 5,000 missiles into Israel. Think about that. 5,000 missiles at once into Israel. They tore down sections of the border security fence that surrounds Gaza and then came in by trucks, by motorcycles, by paragliders, And they savagely murdered innocent civilians like you and me. Imagine going outside and having someone come up and just shower you with bullets. This is what happened. We saw the videos. uh, We saw it happening, them coming in on these paragliders to a music festival that was going on and just randomly spraying bullets into the Innocent civilians, young adults, senseless murder, total brutality, savagery. And they murdered innocent uh, Israeli citizens, indiscriminately just killing at whim. 1,403 Israelis were brutally murdered. 5,412 were injured. Countless women and young girls were raped. 212 Israelis are currently right now being held in captivity as hostages. Uh, Think about what is going on for those 212. It is beyond comprehension. This is demonic evil on display. Scores of innocent babies were murdered, many of them decapitated. Many people were brutally tortured, being burned alive, being uh, horrid things, pregnant women, being having their torsos sliced open, and their babies taken out and killed. Why they die uh, bleeding to death. Uh, Horrid things. Uh, I saw a a video of two IDF soldiers, Israeli soldiers, uh, who were strong soldiers, you know, uh, experienced, uh, still young men. And I watched them just weeping in this interview as they talk about the atrocities that they have seen that have scarred their minds permanently forever. They talked about a family, a young family with two children, a boy and a girl, about six years old and eight years old, the age of the children. And the parents were tied with their arms behind their backs. And the children were tied with their arms behind their backs. And all four of them were facing each other, 
uh, with, uh, in, a, in a circle. And uh, these Hamas terrorists come in and start chopping off fingers. Making each other watch. The parents watch their fingers of their children getting chopped off. Making the children watch their fingers of the parents get chopped off. And they didn't stop there. They continued chopping off body parts. Plucking out eyes. One eye of each individual. Until they killed them. And I'm watching these uh, IDF soldiers say this, these strong men, tears streaming down their face, and they've been scarred permanently for life by the atrocities that they have seen. Barely able to catch his breath, he says, what bothered me the most was that in the middle of this family, uh, in the center, was a table with food on it where the Hamas terrorists were obviously eating and dining while all this was going on. How do you describe this kind of evil? This is demonic evil on display. And I want you to know, it pains me to say these horrific things. I put a lot of thought into it. I don't say them to be shocking. I don't say them to be dramatic. I say them because we need to look at the reality of this demonic activity. Why? Or we will capitulate on fighting against this evil, as is already happening all across the world. I marvel at how there are these Mass gatherings, 150,000 in London last week, gathering in support of these Palestinian terrorists, Hamas. How in the world? And not just London. It was in Sacramento. It was in New York. It was in Dallas. It was uh, in Philadelphia. It's all over the world. Uh, It was in Sydney. Uh, All across the world, this is happening. And if we do not stand, I want you to know something. This is not hyperbole. If we do not stand, we will embolden these Arab nations and we will be facing World War III. Prophetically, I don't see a huge significance of what has happened. Jesus said, in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. The end is not yet. Uh, uh, this is evil and it is incredible evil but how we respond as a people as a world could very well usher in World War III if we are not careful and I'll go into that more in just a minute but to start off I want us to look and I want us to understand who Hamas is Hamas is an Islamic jihadist terrorist organization that exists for Jewish genocide. That is their sole purpose. Uh, They are evil. Uh, They are no different than the Nazis of Germany. And I want you to know their agenda is no different than Hitler's final solution. And I'm not, again, this is not hyperbole, this is fact. And it baffles me that the world is championing this right now. Who in the world would champion the final solution? No one in their right mind. 
And yet we are, uh, because we're a little, you know, social heroes who want to make a post on social media so that we can feel better about ourselves, we go and we champion things that we know nothing about. And it is flat out folly. Uh, I want to let you know that Hamas has a constitution uh, that clearly reveals that they are a, uh, a, a, an organization that is just parallel with the, the Nazis' final solution. Uh, they, Hamas made a covenant on August 18, 1988, and the preamble for their uh, uh, covenant is the destruction of Israel. This is their preamble. It says Israel will exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. This is their entire purpose in a sentence. They want to wipe out every Jew on the face of the earth. Um, uh, you cannot deal with a people group like this. Uh, put the next slide up for me, if you will. Uh, in the Hamas covenant, this is Article 11 and Article 13, the land of Palestine. Uh, let's stop there for a moment. The land of Palestine, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Israel, uh, the nation Israel. Uh, they say the land of Palestine is in, in an Islamic waqf, uh, which means a holy possession, consecrated for future Muslim generations until the judgment day. No one can renounce it or abandon any part of it. Palestine is an Islamic land, the liberation of Palestine. That means the removal of Jews from Israel is an uh, individual duty of every Muslim wherever he may be. Uh, this uh, article 13 goes on. Let's go to the next slide. Peace initiatives and so-called peaceful solutions and international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement. These conferences are no more than a means to appoint the infidels as arbitrators in the lands of Islam. Uh, they do not want peace. They do not want peace agreements. Uh, they have no interest in living peaceably with anyone. They want to annihilate and to wipe out every single Jew on the face of the earth and to remove Israel off the face of the map. And that is their chief and primary purpose. And we live in the Western world and we're so liberal in our thinking. We think nobody's that way. That can't be real. Let me tell you, this is as serious as a heart attack. This is real. This actually is the way it is. Uh, let me give you the, uh, the next article, 13. There is no solution for the Palestinian problem. What's the Palestinian problem? Jews in the promised land, in Israel. There is no solution for the Palestinian problem except by jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are but a waste of time and exercise in futility. Uh, they believe it is their responsibility to kill every Jew so that they can usher in their version of the return of the Messiah. Uh, by the way, 
their version of Jesus coming back, uh, they don't think Jesus is the Son of God. Their version of Jesus coming back, they have their own Messiah, and it is an exact picture of what the Bible describes as the Antichrist. When the Antichrist comes, they are going to champion him, and they believe that he, that he will come through jihad. Look, what, look at this next slide. The day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Then the Jews will hide behind the rocks and trees, and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. Do you understand what their theology is? Their theology is that God will speak to them, Allah will speak to them when they start killing Jews. And when they start killing Jews, then God will speak to them and he'll give them all the intel they need to know where to go find and to kill all the Jews. They'll be supernaturally led by God to kill Jews. I want you to know they are going to be supernaturally led, but it's not by God. This is a dark and spiritual battle. The Bible tells us very clearly 1 Corinthians, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against a spiritual host of wickedness in high places. This is a spiritual war that is being manifest in physical bodies. We don't believe in demon possession. Let me tell you, it is alive and well, and it is everywhere. It just doesn't look like what Hollywood says it looks like. Uh, it looks like deception and, and, and uh, calling dark light and good evil and uh, wrong right and right wrong. Uh, that is a, a spiritual battle. I want you to know Hamas uh, does not stand alone. Uh, this Islamic jihadist organization uh, that wants to eliminate all the Jews, uh, they do not stand alone. On October 7th, their terrorist attack on Israel was sponsored, supported, and orchestrated by Iran. The Iranian government, their officers, and their military personnel created a, a tactical and strategic plan for the assault. They held several meetings in the weeks leading up to it in Beirut with Lebanon's Hezbollah. And uh, the Hezbollah fighters were training the Hamas fighters. There were also soldiers from Russia, military from Russia, uh, there uh, in Beirut doing training as well. And uh, they trained them and organized this entire thing. So Iran is behind this with money, with weapons, and with intelligence. And I say all that because that better wake up the United States. We better wake up. Why? Because Iran is now a nuclear country. All, the, uh, all of our sanctions and everything have, have been uh, messed up. And uh, Iran is now a nuclear country. Uh, and their goal, Iran's goal, is the same goal as Hamas. The charter for Iran is the same charter that we just read of the Hamas charter. 
Uh, they want total genocide of the Jews. They want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They have publicly declared that numerous times. It is absolutely, uh, you know, without question, this is what they want. Uh, after this uh, war broke out with Israel and Hamas, Hussein Sol uh, Salami, uh, Salami uh, the general for the Islamic Revolution Guard of Iran, made this public a statement. Uh, let me hear you read this with me. Tehran's strategy is to erase Israel from the global political map. And it seems that, considering the evil that Israel is doing, it is bringing itself closer to that end. The evil that Israel is doing? Defending themselves? They're bringing themselves closer to genocide, he says. Uh, this is not just Salami, uh, the, the general. Uh, this is also Ibrahim Rossi, the president of Iran. He has made public statements saying that he wants the elimination of every Jew and the nation Israel. And it's not just the current president of Iran. This goes back all the way to Ahmadinejad and before him. They have been publicly saying this. We should not be surprised. Why the U.S. is burying their head in the sand, saying that Iran is not part of this, I have no idea. We should be taking uh, full note and be ready to have swift action, because if we don't, we are going to be facing World War III. If, uh, if we continue to capitulate and support Pal Palestinians and give Israel a hard time... Uh, we're going to usher in more boldness from these Arab nations that are surrounding Israel, and we are going to be dealing literally with World War III. Uh, the crazy thing to me is that the Biden administration keeps giving Iran billions of dollars. I cannot understand it. He gave Iran access to $5 billion through an IMF deal that he made in 2021. IMF is the International Monetary Fund uh, that he made in 2021, single-handedly, all by himself, without the approval of con Congress, he signed over $5 billion to them. Last month, two weeks, maybe three weeks before this October 7th thing happened, Biden released another $6 billion to Iran to secure the release of five United States prisoners. I want you to think how much that is. That's $6 billion previously, I mean, uh, $5 billion previously and $6 billion three weeks ago. I want you to think about how much money that is. That's $11 million. In other words, I mean, $11 billion. In other words, that is $1 million given eleven. million thousand times we lose sight of how much a billion is it's one million dollars given to iran eleven thousand times it's insane uh thursday uh biden pledged another 100 million to gaza for humanitarian aid i want you to know something it will not go to humanitarian aid Hamas could care less about its own people. Do you know where that 100 million will go? Straight into weapons. Uh, we should not be giving money to terrorists. 
furthermore, uh, Biden's blotched Afghanistan gave Hamas many of the weapons that they used on October 7th. Uh, this is not rumor as we have, uh, Israel has gone to battle and as they have killed some of the uh, Hamas terrorists that have done these things, guess what we're finding in their hands? All of our weapons, we left billions of dollars worth of weaponry in Afghanistan when we just withdrew and said, good luck. And guess where all those weapons fell? Into Arab hands. Uh, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. Now, on the positive side, Biden and Blinken have done a great job showing Israel support uh, since October 7th. Uh, we have brought in the uh, USS Gerald Ford, the aircraft carrier, giant aircraft carrier, the USS Normandy, and several destroyers uh, have been brought into the Mediterranean. Um, by the way, uh, those destroyers and those aircraft carriers have already shot just like, I forget what day, Friday it was. Uh, they, sh they interceded and shot down three missiles that uh, had been fired over. So it's needed. Uh, uh, Biden also asked Congress to give $14 billion to Israel in aid right now, uh, but he tied it to another $61 billion going to Ukraine uh, in, the same, in the same bill. And uh, I almost went off on a rabbit trail last service, and I'm not going to do it this service. Because uh, so, we, we, we have a lot of stuff to carry, cover. Uh, so I want to look at some things. I want to look at... Uh, ancient history of Israel and modern history of Israel. I want to look at, uh, to answer this question, uh, because Hamas wants to remove Israel from the land. So I want to look at the question, who does Israel's land belong to? Uh, who has the right to the land? Uh, well, as we look at the ancient history of the land, we find out right away, not hard to figure out, it belongs to Israel. 4,000 years ago, I want you to think about how long that is. The United States has been a country for 250 years, 1776, right? Uh, 4,000 years ago, uh, that is ancient history. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, in Genesis 15, in Genesis 17. He repeated it numerous times in the Bible that he was going to make him a great nation and that he was going to give him the land as an everlasting possession of the covenant that God was making with him that he would be uh, God's people and that God would be their God and that God would make a great nation out of them and I will give you all of the land of Canaan as a possession. Uh, numerous times throughout the Bible, God reaffirmed this covenant it's an unconditional covenant. It, what that means is it doesn't matter how bad Israel sins or what Israel does. The covenant is not conditional upon Israel being good boys and girls. The, co the covenant is completely, unequivocally unconditional. And we studied that in detail when we studied Genesis. And so that covenant stands today, and that covenant is that they would be God's people and that the land of Israel, all the land of Canaan, would be theirs as an everlasting possession. Uh, as a reminder, here's a verse for you in Genesis 17, and let's, uh, I enjoy this very much. Let's hear the church body read it in a loud, unified voice. This is God speaking. 
and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Let's pause there. God is speaking to you, between me and you, that's God and Abram. And he says to your descendants after you in all of their generations for an everlasting covenant. When God says something is everlasting, it is forever. Uh, it remains. Uh, let's go on. Let's read the rest. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. That is really clear. The Bible teaches us that Israel's land belongs to the Jewish people. God gave it to them as an everlasting inheritance. It will never be taken away from them. It is their land forever. All the land of Canaan, from the Nile River all the way down in Egypt, all the way up to the Euphrates in Iraq, it all belongs to Israel. It is one giant honking piece of land, about 300,000 square miles of land, and it all belongs to Israel. We're talking a long history. This is 4,000 years ago, and God promised this not only to Abraham, but he reconfirmed the promise to Isaac and to Jacob, changed Jacob's name into Israel, and uh, reconfirmed this covenant. Uh, we watch God bring it into fruition. 3,000 years ago, think of that, 1,000 BC, 3,000 years ago, we watch God bring it into fruition with King David. King David set up a kingdom. It was the, Israel was the strongest nation on the earth, and David was the king over all the land that God had given him. Uh, that was, you know, 3,800 years before the United States was even a country. That was 2,500 years before Islam was even invented. Do you realize Islam wasn't even invented until about 650 A.D.? Uh, and it's a fake religion. It's a false religion. Uh, the prophet Muhammad was not a prophet. He was a, he was a, he was a crook. He was a pedophile. He was an evil man. Uh, but this goes back... 2,500 years before uh, Muhammad even walked the earth. This is ancient history. And God said the land belongs to Israel. And contrary to what the, many Islamic nations believe, Israel has the right to exist and the land is theirs. And the nations of the world need to uphold and to support this intrinsic truth. God has made that really clear in Scripture. You see, when God made a covenant with Abraham, the nation Israel, he knew that the moment that he did, Satan would be against Israel. Would be opposing Israel. And so at the very same day that God made the covenant with Abraham, he said, listen, I will put divine protection on you. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And anyone who fights against you fights against me. And so uh, this, is, this is what uh, uh, we need to see. The land belongs to Israel. God ordeeded it to the nation Israel. And by the way, 
Jesus affirmed the exact same things. In Matthew 25, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, it's called the Olivet Discourse. Uh, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, and they said, hey, what's it going to be like at the end of the world? What are the signs of the end of the age? How will we know when it's coming? What will it be like? And Jesus went on. He said, hey, nation will rise against nation. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. You're going to hear all these. Beaten. But the end is, be wise. The end is not yet. But when you see all the nations surrounding Israel, when you see everybody coming against Israel, uh, he would teach that that is when the end of time is coming. We want to be very wise with what's happening here. But Jesus would go on to say uh, that there would be such tribulation. Israel is going to be persecuted like the world has never seen. Uh, there were 6.1 million Jews murdered, genocide in Hitler's uh, uh, gas chambers as harsh as that sounds that is only a preview of what is coming in the tribulation period that was only a foreshadow of what is coming all the world is going to turn against Israel Jesus taught in Matthew 24 and 25 and Jesus said unless those days were shortened no flesh would be saved 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke of nuclear war that would have the potential to eliminate, eliminate every single human on the earth. And he said, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Nevertheless, for the elect's sake, for, in other words, for Israel's sake, for this covenant that I made with Israel, those days will be shortened. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to stop Armageddon from destroying every human on earth for what purpose? For the preservation of Israel. And Jesus said, I'm going to come in the brightness of the firmament. Every eye will see. Uh, and I'm going to come with all of the saints. And when he comes, do you know what he said he's going to do? He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he will take the goats and put them on the left, his left side, and the sheep and put them on the right side, and he will judge them. And the goats will be cast off into utter darkness, annihilation, go to hell, and the sheep will enter into the millennial kingdom, the rule and reign, a thousand year millennial reign with Jesus on the earth. And when he puts the sheep on the right hand, they will say, uh, he says, he'll say to them, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hurting and you visited me, you comforted me. I was, I was wounded and you nurtured me. And they will say, when did we do that? And Jesus answered, he said, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, the Jews, you've done it unto me. What's that? What's he saying? At the end of the age, God is going to bring judgment on the earth based on how they treated the Jewish people in the battle of Armageddon. Were you on Israel's side? Did you support them? Did you aid, uh, aid them? Uh, uh, and so we want to make sure we're on the right side of this fence. Amen? Amen. Uh, <clears throat> now, moving us on. We keep hearing that... Uh, you know, that these Palestinians are so oppressed and uh, that, you know, Israel is occupying their land. 
I want you to know, contrary to what you hear, Gaza is not occupied by Israel. Did you know that? Israel has no occupation over Gaza. Uh, this is not about Palestinians needing land. Can I tell you something? There is plenty of land for the Palestinians. The Palestinians are all Arabs. There are 22 Arab nations in the world today. There is more than enough land. There is only one nation for the Jews. There are 22 Arab nations. This has nothing to do with land, and I will prove that to you. Uh, uh, the Palestinians said it was about the land. So you know what Israel did? Israel said, here, you can have the land. You know what? It didn't bring peace. It did not work. I want to move now from an ancient history of Israel and look to a modern history of Israel. Uh, in 1947, uh, the, U, the, uh, the, the area where Israel is was under the British mandate. Uh, it was under Brit Great Britain's control. Uh, after the Holocaust, uh, tens of thousands of Holocaust survivors began moving into ancient Israel. And pressure grew in the international community to recognize the, uh, Israel as the Jewish state. So in 1947, the UN proposed partitioning the land into three parts. An Arab state, a Jewish state, and Jerusalem. And you say, that's kind of odd. Why is Jerusalem its own place? Uh, well, here's why. Because Islam is a fake religion. And Islam has a, they hate the Jews, and Islam has a common practice. Wherever there is an ancient uh, archaeological site of Judaism, Islam will come in and make it a religious site for Islam. The classic example of this is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, it is where the tabernacle originally stood. It is where David came in and said, I want to build you a house, Lord. And God said, no, you can't build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. The Messiah is going to come through you. It'll be a house that remains forever. But you can have your son Solomon build a temple. Solomon builds a temple, and he builds it there on the Temple Mount. It is Mount Moriah. It is the same place that Abraham offered Isaac as a precursor, as a preview of where Jesus himself would be sacrificed. It is on the, uh, that area of Jerusalem. There on the Temple Mount where Solomon's temple was, during the time when Israel was scattered throughout all of the world from the dysphoria that happened by the Romans in AD 70, when the Romans killed uh, uh, 1.1 million Jews between 66 AD and 70 AD, the Jews scattered all over the earth. During that time that they were scattered, uh, Islam comes into existence at, at 650 uh, AD and later uh, goes on to build, to destroy all the Jewish archaeological sites, and not all of them, but many of them. And the, one of the main ones they do is the Temple Mount. Right where Solomon's temple was, they build the Dome of the Rock so that they can eliminate Judaism and say, no, this isn't a Jewish holy site. This is an Islamic holy site. In order for the UN to keep peace, uh, they wanted to give uh, 
uh, these three different states. There'll be an Arab state, and that's the areas in red. Uh, they wanted to give a Jewish state, that's the areas in blue. And then Jerusalem is that little dot right there, right in the center of the Arab state, that they want to try to appease and give to the Arabs and to the Jews. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to give, that's right where the Temple Mount is. Uh, how are we going to do that? Well, it's going to, Jerusalem, they said, will be governed by the United Nations. And so that was the agreement. And in 1948, uh, 1948 Britain left uh, that land. Uh, David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of the nation Israel, declared the establishment of the nation Israel on May 14th. 1948. The nation Israel was reborn in a day. In Israel's weakest time, six million Jews had just been murdered by Hitler, by Germany. Uh, uh, at their very weakest, Israel becomes a nation in a day, just as God had said, just as God had prophesied. Showing the world and showing Israel that it's not by might, it's not by power but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And President Harry Truman recognized Israel as a sovereign nation that same very day, and the UN recognized Israel as a sovereign nation that same very day. Uh, something crazy happened. Because the Arab nations hate the Jews, guess what happened on the day that Israel became a nation? War. War. They were attacked. Uh, the same day that Israel became a nation, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria attacked Israel to destroy it completely on the day they became a nation. Israel had only been a nation one day. They did not have an organized military. And yet, amazingly, miraculously, Israel survived that war as what can only be said as a biblical miracle. It's astonishing that they made it. Uh, the USA, you say, well, we probably, no, we didn't help. We didn't get involved militarily in that war in one ounce. Israel survived by the sovereign power of God alone. They were so outnumbered, it's like reading a Bible story. It's like reading Moses at the Red Sea when you, when you read about what happened in this war. Uh, go on to the next slide. Uh, Again, as what can only be described as a miracle of biblical proportion, Israel won the war. And notice this. Check this out. Israel's territory increased by 77%, interesting number, of the UN's original allocation. Is that not crazy? Uh, notice how much bigger that blue area is now. And notice where the blue goes into. Where does the blue go into? Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting how God works? You know, if you're a Jew on May 14th, 1948, and you go, we're a nation. Oh, we're at war. And you go, God, where are you? Why did you allow this to happen to us? Have we not had enough? And sometimes we don't understand God's ways. Look what God did. And what seemed to be in a horrible situation, God gave them a 77% increase in the land, including the land of Jerusalem under Israeli control. A miracle of God. The Arabs call this day the, the Nakba. Nakba means the catastrophe. To this day, they call it the Nakba. Do you know why? 
because there is no way in heck they should have ever lost this war. It'd be like uh, the whole entire church fighting me by myself. The odds were that extreme. Like if all of you just rushed the stage and somehow I won. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Don't get any ideas. The Nakba, the catastrophe. They can't understand how in the world it happened. And some other things happened. Uh, during that time, the Gaza Strip came under control of Egypt. It was under Arab control. Now it's under Egypt's control. And the West Bank came under control of Jordan. The West Bank is that red section right there. Uh, so that happened. Uh, now, I want to put these two maps side by side for you so you can see. There was the original UN plan. And they have a war on their first day of their existence. And look how much more blue is on the right side of the screen than the left side of the screen. That is all the territory that God gave Israel on the day they became a nation when they had their first battle. Uh, the battle belongs to the Lord, amen? amen? Is that not amazing? May that encourage you. May it encourage you to no end. Uh, <clears throat> now... Uh, after the war, uh, time goes by, and uh, it's now 1967. And 1967 comes, and we have the Six-Day War. Uh, in 1967, five Arab countries, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria, attacked Israel again. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the best things you can do is buy some books on the Six-Day War. If you read it, it will blow your mind. Israel was so outnumbered, once again, just a brand new country. There is no way they should have won against this kind of horsepower against them. And again, it reads like a biblical story. Uh, it is like reading the, the, a, a new chapter in the Bible. It is just amazing. Uh, during the 67, uh, Six Day War, it only lasted for six days. In six days, Look at the amount of land that Israel captured. Everything that is blue is what Israel captured in the Six-Day War. They captured the West Bank from the, uh, from the Arabs. They captured the, from Jordan. They captured the Gaza Strip, uh, which is uh, over here, uh, right up next to the Mediterranean, where all this is going on right now. Uh, they captured the Golan Heights, which is all the way up to the north by Syria. Uh, beautiful area, by the way. I was really looking forward to taking you all to the Golan Heights. I was supposed to be there right now, today, uh, but uh, Hamas canceled our trip or postponed our trip. Um, and uh, I was hoping to send you a video from the Golan Heights because uh, it is stunningly beautiful. Israel captured that in the Six-Day War. Uh, they captured the Sinai Peninsula, which is amazing. I mean, look at all that. Uh, uh, that used to belong to Egypt. That's a lot of land, man. By the way, uh, that Sinai Peninsula was all in the geography that God laid out for Israel in Genesis 15 and 17. And, um, and so Israel then annexed the West Bank. They started building Jewish settlements in the West Bank, and they occupied that land. Uh, uh, really a huge victory. God just giving them more. Uh, now, uh, uh, the Arab nations that went against Israel were shocked that they lost. Uh, do you know what they did immediately after the Six-Day War? You think they'd reflect? You think they'd go, maybe we're fighting the wrong battle? No, they didn't do any of that. You know what they did? 
uh, immediately after the 67 war, there was an Arab summit in Sudan, and the Arab states created the infamous no resolution. They came up with three no's, no recognition, no peace, and no negotiations immediately after the Six-Day War. Do you understand what that means? No recognition of what? Israel, Israel as a nation. We're going to pretend they don't exist. Uh, they don't exist. Don't bring their name up. No peace. I don't care what they do. No, no peace. No, we'll, we're always going to be at war with Israel. And no negotiations. Don't talk to me about peace deals. Uh, even if we agree to a deal, we're not going to keep it. We're going to try to kill them the moment we agree with a deal. No negotiations. We'll just take their land and we'll still go to war. Uh, so uh, that's who we're dealing with uh, in, in these Arab nations. Uh, that was 67. Uh, in only a few short years more, in 1973, there was the Yom Kippur War, another war. The Yom Kippur War, October 6, 1973, by the way, what we saw two Saturdays ago was the 50th anniversary of this surprise attack on the Yom Kippur War. Egypt and Syria launched another coordinated surprise attack on Israel in the Sinai, down here in the south, and on the Golan Heights, all the way up to the north. These attacks were a surprise attack on the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur. It'd be like attacking us on Christmas morning. Uh, the U.S. authorized a full-scale military support to support Israel because the Soviet Union began sending arms to Syria and to Egypt. You might remember, uh, if you're old enough, President Nixon was the president at that time. If you're a history buff, you know this. And the United States was on nuclear high alert because we were worried that we were going to have a nuclear war with the Soviet Union. Remember, I remember as a kid crawling underneath my desk, like, what's that going to do? Remember that? <laughs> nuclear bomb, get under your desk, kids. Uh, don't worry about all the radiation. Uh, uh, but that's what was going on. Um, uh, next slide. After the Yom Kippur War, the Arab members of OPEC announced an oil embargo on the United States for our decision to support Israel's military during the war. That OPEC oil embargo, if you're a history buff, you'll remember that really hit us hard. It rocked our economy. Suddenly, the price of a barrel of oil doubled, literally doubled overnight. And in a very short time, the price of oil uh, the, the price of a barrel of oil uh, increased 400% in just a very short time. Inflation went skyrocketing. Uh, interest rates went skyrocketing. Um, uh, the devaluation of the dollar, we were in trouble, right? Uh, this was the oil embargo. And so in a desire for amity, uh, Israel gave Egypt the Sinai Peninsula in exchange for peace and to end the oil embargo against the United States to help us. Israel gave the entire Sinai Peninsula. Remember here where it says Egypt? Remember that was all blue after the Yom Kippur War? Uh, they gave it all back. For what? For peace. For peace. 
And you say, Dave, why are you bringing that up? Well, uh, I want you to know for a specific reason that the peace deal that Israel made with Egypt was very successful. Uh, it was extremely successful. And today, it serves as proof to the entire world that Israel does want to live peaceably with its neighbors. Egypt and Israel have been at peace since that day. Egypt, Israel never attacked Egypt. Every time it was Egypt attacking Israel. When they gave them back the Sinai Peninsula, Egypt has said, oh, we, we can live at peace with Israel. And it has shown that Israel is very capable of live, at living at peace with its neighbors. Uh, this is important for us to understand. By the way, this attack that happened uh, on October 7th, two weeks ago, uh, the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, it was very strategically planned. Do you know why they did it on that day? Well, number one is the 50th anniversary of that, and also number two, because it's a holy day, and uh, Israel would not be, be ready. Uh, but number three, the main reason is Saudi Arabia was in peace talks with Israel. A week before October 7th, Benjamin Netanyahu was at a UN uh, conference and he spoke about the being on the cusp of a new dawn with Saudi Arabia and Israel being friends and having open trade. Uh, you know that um, uh, Trump brought in the Ab uh, Abraham Accords and uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and other Arab nations started coming in. It's like shocking, right? Uh, well, Saudi Arabia was thinking about joining the Abraham Accords. Now, Iran hates Israel. Hamas hates Israel. And the last thing they want in the world is to lose some of their Arab brothers who now no longer hate Israel. And so to keep the hatred between Saudi Arabia and Israel fueled, they launched this attack. Uh, this is the motive behind it. Why? Because Iran is on the edge of attacking Israel at some point in the future. It is biblical. They will work with Russia, Ezekiel 38, 39. They will come down and they will attack Israel. And so Iran did not want this peace. Um, I need to get back onto our, our talk. Uh, <clears throat> let's go to the next slide. So uh, all that to say, Israel has proven that they can have peace with other nations, that they can compromise, that they can give away land and have a peaceful relation. And Egypt uh, is a proof text to the world that Israel's a good neighbor. Uh, now, Israel tried the same thing on the West Bank. You'll remember the West Bank was completely under Israel control after the Yom Kippur War, right? But notice what happens here. Israel has given 42% of the West Bank, West Bank back to the Palestinians. You can see how it's not all blue anymore. The areas are red where, are where it's under Arab control, and the areas are blue or, or, or gray is where it's under Israeli control. And Israel has given the Fatah-run Palestinian Authority a various degrees of autonomous rule over the West Bank, and yet the Palestinians still routinely carry out 
spade attacks against Israel, making peace impossible. They're giving them the land, the West Bank, and what happens? They still attack Israel all the time. Missiles flying over from the West Bank all the time. Israel built a wall in the West Bank to try to protect its people. Uh, they, they still fight against it and, and complain. Just Friday, two days ago, in the West Bank, fully armed Palestinian Islamic jihadists uh, went running through the streets, crying revenge, armed, fully armed, and 13 people were, were, were killed uh, just Friday in the West Bank, proving that as Israel gives them land, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, the Gaza Strip, same exact thing. The Gaza Strip, in 1987, the Palestinian Intifada, uh, which uh, Intifada just simply means uprising. By, by the way, uh, the Palestinians are always uprising. They're, they're never at peace. Uh, but anyway, in 1987, there was the first Intifada, uh, and it caused a turmoil over the Gaza Strip. And so in 1993, Israel signed the Oslo Accord and gave the Palestinian Liberation Organization autonomous rule over Gaza. Okay, you can have full authority. We won't govern it. We won't, we won't protect. We won't do anything. You are your own land. And they gave the Palestinians full autonomy over the Gaza Strip. That was in 93. In 2005... Uh, battles were still going on in the Gaza Strip. And so the Palestinians said, it's because you still have Jews living in the land. So Israel did something amazing in 2005. They removed all Israelis from the Gaza Strip. All Isra Israeli settlements in Gaza were dismantled, and 9,000 Israelis living in Gaza were forcibly ejected from Gaza by Israel. They were told, you can't live here anymore. They lost their homes, everything. And as soon as they did, the Palestinians took a vote and elected Hamas as their governing body. Crazy. Crazy. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, did it make peace? No, the Palestinians still regularly uh, carry out terrorist attacks from, Israel, from uh, the Gaza Strip against Israel. Uh, thousands of rockets are shot into Israel annually. It is just commonplace, man. They're just always launching missiles from the Gaza Strip and from the West Bank into Israel. Uh, in 2000 to 2005, Israel built an advanced security gate around Gaza to help protect Israelis. It took them five years to build it. On March 27, 2011, Israel built the Iron Dome. What is the purpose of this gate? What is the purpose of this Iron Dome? One purpose and one purpose only, to try to live peaceably with the neighbors who are trying to kill them. On March 27, 2011, the Iron Dome was put in place. Do you know how long it took before it had to be used? 10 days. 10 days. They've given them full autonomy. They've given it, and ten, ten, right? Uh, here's a picture of the Iron Dome in action. It's just spectacular. Uh, this is a, a picture from rockets being fired from the Gaza Strip into Israel. That's on the right side of your screen. And this is the Iron Dome on the left side of the screen. screen. By the way, each one of these flares on the left side of the screen, $60,000 a piece. 
Do you know how much money it is costing Israel and the United States to have these terrorist neighbors? It is causing us and them a ton of money. Uh, you say, hey, what is the point of all that? All that history is to show you that Israel wants to live peaceably with its neighbors, but Hamas wants Jewish genocide. And you can prove that historically as we just have very, very clearly. Israel cannot live with a neighbor who claims they have no right to exist. And can I tell you something? We have no right to ask them to. A couple more things on Hamas, and then I'll get off that. Uh, Hamas is so wicked, is so diabolical, is so evil, uh, they are even brainwashing and, and, and destroying their own children. Uh, don't take my word for it. I want you to check me out on this, but go and watch some Hamas children's cartoons. It will break your heart. You will literally cry watching them. Here's a picture of a few. Uh, here's the children's cartoon in the upper left. The enemies of Allah, the murderers of the prophets, they're talking about the Jews being the enemies of God and the murderers of the, uh, uh, of the Islamic prophets. Uh, here is Nasser the bear on the right of children's program. And what is little Nasser the bear teaching? We want to slaughter all the Jews, Nasser bear would teach. Uh, here's a, a little cartoon on the left. Uh, I watch this whole cartoon. This little girl's name is Gaza, of course. And uh, uh, in the cartoon, her parents get killed by the Jews. And she goes and cries and she has no place to live and no home and anything and here the caption says the enemy destroyed your home and killed your parents and she goes off to stand against and she finds an Israeli soldier and he shoots her and and she dies and her brother comes along and takes the bullet out of her and throws it at the uh, Israeli soldier's eye and pokes the Israeli soldier's eye out and uh, little Gaza lives in an afterlife happy uh, this is wicked man just wicked uh, it's in their coloring books. It's in their school plays. In their school plays, you will see little Hamas children on the stage dressed in uh, military garb stabbing teddy bears that are supposed to be the Jews. It's being taught in their classrooms. It's in their coloring books. Look at this cartoon. Can you imagine that in a child's cartoon? Uh, we'll pull that off the screens. What? What, 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 imagine the psychological damage that that is causing children. Can I remind you what Jesus said about this? Look at what Jesus said. Uh, Becca, you were, you were good. Matthew 18, look at this. This is what Jesus said. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, who believe in God, to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to, the, to that man whom those offense comes. Do you, do you realize the hatred that God must have for this vile evil of ruining innocent children's lives and growing them up to hate instead of love and how psychologically broken they must be? How sick do you have to be to have that kind of desire, that kind of worldview? Why is Hamas so intent on killing Jews and destroying Israel? What is their motive? What is going on? Well, I, I, I call it, I coin it, the mystery of anti-Semitism. 
the mystery of anti-Semitism. Uh, why have the Jews been the most persecuted people group on the face of the earth? Throughout all of history, this has been the case. Why is it? 1.1 million with Rome and the Jews from 66 to 70. 6.1 million with Hitler. Uh, and there's tons of others, right? Uh, uh, why? Um, well, there's this mystery of anti-Semitism. There's a spiritual work going on. Again, the Bible says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against a spiritual host of wickedness in dark places. Uh, this is a spiritual battle. I asked you to find Jeremiah 31. Why is the world against Israel? Why is there anti-Semitism against the Jews? Well, believe it or not, the answer to that question can be found in Jeremiah 31. <clears throat> do you have your Bibles open? Are you there? Did you have it bookmarked, I hope? Jeremiah 31. I'd like you to read for me the first four words of Jeremiah 31. Go ahead, out loud. At the same time. Well, we better know what time we're talking about. Uh, at the same time. Well, if we go back one verse, the last verse of chapter 30, it says, in the latter days, you will consider it. Uh, God is speaking to the nation Israel here of what's going to happen in the last days. And here's what he says. In the latter days, at the same time, says the Lord, in the latter days, says Yahweh, the Lord, I will be God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. The people that have been scattered all over the earth have now come back into their land and found uh, grace. Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with what? An everlasting love, an eternal love from, uh, from God for the Israel people. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I will build you, and you shall be, you might want to underline this, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Guess what we just saw in modern Israel history that I spent on? Guess who's rebuilding Israel? Supernaturally. God's rebuilding Israel. I wish we had time to read it all. You might want to read it on your own. Jump to verse 31. Again, this has not happened yet. This is what's going to happen in the last days. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. How tender is that? What covenant are we talking about? Not the Abrahamic covenant. We're talking about the Mosaic covenant when God led them out of Egypt and gave them the Ten Commandments. Uh, they broke that covenant, God says, even though I was a husband to them. We're reading on Sunday mornings the book of Hosea where the prophet marries a harlot, God tells him to, because he says, that's what Israel has been to me. Here, God re repeating that. I was faithful to them as a faithful husband, uh, but they didn't love me. But I'm going to make a covenant with them. Verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law 
in their minds, and I will write it, my law, on their hearts. I love the cho- choice of words there. I'll put my, my law in their minds, but I'll write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for you shall all know, know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. Verse 34 is powerful. You know what he's saying? I'm going to be out of a job. No more are we going to need a pastor to say, know the Lord. Why? Because Jesus will be dwelling physically, bodily, tangibly, personably in Israel, in Jerusalem, on the throne of David. And you won't need anybody teaching you about Jesus. They'll be able to go to Jerusalem and see him and hear him and have him teach. Uh, ruling as the king over all the earth. For I will forgive their iniquity, uh, second half of 34, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. This is Jesus. This is the new covenant. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for the light by day, who makes the sun rise in the morning and the ordinances of the moon uh, uh, and the stars for a light by night. I hope you saw the, the eclipse uh, just last week. It was phenomenal. Uh, uh, but here he says, hey, uh, God's saying, the one who makes, I'm the one who makes the sun rise every morning. I'm the one who makes the earth orbit. I'm the one who makes the waves roar. Verse 36, if those ordinances depart from, from before me, says the Lord, then the, the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me. For how long? forever. In other words, God is saying, just as it's impossible for the universe to quit functioning, so it is impossible for me to break my covenant with Israel. They are my people forever. And this is why Satan is hell-bent on destroying the Jewish people. Because if he can eradicate and eliminate and genocide the Jewish people, then God is a liar, just like Satan is a liar. And God's plan of redemption will be broken, and God's purpose to rule and reign on the earth, bodily, physically, from Jerusalem, will be broken, and Satan can have us following uh, the word of God being broken. This is the mystery of anti-Semitism. This is why, right here, verse 37, thus says the Lord, if heaven can be measured... Uh, the universe. Can you measure the universe? It's, yeah, we've tried, man. Uh, billions of light years. Advanced equipment. We cannot find the end of it. If the universe can be measured, uh, if the foundations of the earth can be searched out, I will also cast off uh, all the seed of Israel for all that they have done. Uh, what's God saying? He's saying, just as it's impossible to measure the universe, it's equally impossible for me to break my covenant uh, uh, and that is what Satan is trying to bring. Uh, verse 38, Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, that the city, that's Jerusalem, you can write Jerusalem right there, that Jerusalem shall be built for who? For Jesus Christ. Jerusalem will be built for Jesus Christ. Do you know why there's a dome of the rock in Jerusalem? Because they are trying to keep this from happening. Jerusalem will be built for Jesus Christ. It shall be built 
for the Lord from the tower of Hanel, that's the northeast up to the northeast, to the corner gate, that's the northwest corner. The surveyor's line shall extend straight forward from the hill of Gerib. It shall be turned towards Goath. Uh, both those are unknown places, by the way. And the whole valley of dead bodies and of ashes, uh, that's the, probably the, the hill of Hinnom, uh, way down to the south. And the fields as far as the brook of Kedron, which is in the east, to the corner, to the horse gate, to the east, shall all be holy to the Lord. Let me just paraphrase what he just said. North, south, east, west, all of the land will be holy and set apart for Jesus Christ to sit on a throne of the, the throne of David and to rule and reign over all the nations of the earth for a millennia. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That day is coming, and what you are seeing is the reason for all this anti-Semitism is to prevent that day from coming. You see, everything that you see in Hamas right now, everything you see with the Arab nations, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about his throne, Jerusalem. It's all about him. And the moment that you stand on the side of Palestine, you are standing against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May we be wise. Uh, look what he says. Uh, it shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. No more nations coming against it. When Jesus comes and rules and reigns, it will be established forever. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.